folks, the microphones are on. Welcome to another episode of The Sidelines, episode 2 in season 2. I don't even know what we're calling it, episode 38. But anyway, I'm your host, Court Sage Hart. I'm here with my other host, my man. It's AP over here, Cordo. How's it going, mate? I'm good. I'm pumped up, bro. And you know what? Like we started to do during the Christmas specials, I'm just going to sit back tonight. I'm going to sit back and be the, I don't know, the Pat Rafter to your Philippusis. You throw the big heavy serves and I'm just going to do some serve volley, baby. <laughs> I'm going to let you drive this one tonight. Yeah, but that means the point's over real fast because he normally just chips them away for winners. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you're the actual Mark Philippusis with sort of a chronic drug problem, spending all your money on Lamborghinis and never really fulfilling your potential. Uh, I'd say at least on the olive skin part of the Philippusis train with some big booming backhands. That's really about the only only similarity. You do have some good luscious dark wavy hair too in yeah. certain like evening settings with a little gentle breeze. It's quite stimulating. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look, here we go, guys. So I'm going to continue on a bit of our 2020 predictions and thoughts. So. 2021, bro. Oh, 2021. January. See, it's still. I got him. People do it. People do it. Takes you a solid month to get 20 the previous year out of the vernacular. So, Court, I've got a list of questions for you. Oh, okay. And then I'll chirp in when necessary. (laughs) Okay. Um, But what do you think 2021's telling thing is going to be? So, obviously, 2020. Early on in the year, you probably had a few things that went, wow, that's going to be the story for the year. Turns out yeah. it wasn't, and there's a lot more a lot more story to come. Yeah. Well, like, point in case, like, I think, yeah, well, last week was, like, the anniversary of Kobe Bryant dying. And when that happened, I was like, oh, it's going to be the year of Kobe. Yep, we also totally had, disappeared into the background. Australia also had our worst bushfires in many, many, many a year. That was almost yeah. the, the front page of the prologue to the three and a half thousand page uh, novel that came out afterwards. Yeah, spot on, spot on. I think this year is going to be, I actually think it's going to be all about the vaccine game and how we kind of like figure out as a society to sort of live with you know, a lethal flu strand that has effectively covered the world faster than like your annoying uncle ruins a family gathering. Yeah, pretty swift. <laughs> yeah, pretty swift and makes a lot of people uncomfortable and the norm is now gone. <laughs> and normally the other auntie's going, look, it's not that bad. He's, he's, it's like this every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're the one sitting there going, yeah, look, I know that, but I feel like we're accommodating him and Instead also, of taking ownership. And also last year, he didn't shut down the whole, whole entire global economy and international travel. Last year, it was just here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my hot tip, and look, we try to not stay political, but at the same time, we're so good at throwing shit at things. I'm just going to throw a bit of shit out there and make some bold predictions because I know that's what you want. Yeah. Number one, there is going to be a major vaccine that turns out to be a bulk hustle and there's going to be a lot of pissed off nations that threw the visa card at someone's vaccine. Yeah, I think there's going to be some great contracts written by any of the pharmaceutical companies. It's just like the full 
you know, swing sham, like doesn't guarantee Jack. Uh, yep. Oh, you said COVID-19. Oh, we meant like COVID with like a hidden H. Does yeah. yours have that? No, oh, yeah, you exactly. spelled it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, bad. Yeah, exactly. Like, again, we touched on it last week, like the old like Simpsons disclaimer, like actual vaccine will not work. <laughs> like That's going to that's gonna happen. Someone is going to buy a Simpsons monorail style vaccine and blow all of their, you know, well, their budget for the year in an economic uh, federal government budget sense. They're just going to absolutely light their bank account up procuring something and it is going to fail miserably. It's going to be, that's going to be full on to watch. Yeah. And look, I don't mean to be narcissistic about it because lives are going to be lost, but maybe that's just the human coping mechanism of trying to make light of it. But that is what I think is going to happen. And I am already scared because we see there's different strands from different nations. The virus is evolving again, like your dodgy uncle at a party that's wrecking it for everyone. Just when you think, oh, he's getting tired now, the booze is wearing off, he finds something else and he evolves his game plan to make you dis like the discomfort increase. Yeah, he's like, look at what I found. I hit a bottle of rum here five years ago. Exactly. Like, no. <laughs> my my other bold prediction is countries that were traditionally cool with each other. There's going to be an awesome like teenage couple at a house party falling out and like a public breakup yeah you know like the US and the UK like it's gonna be let's just say it was America and Australia but it's like the American Twitter account or the Instagram account like unfollows Australia and everyone's gonna be like oh what (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) exactly it's literally gonna be that and then someone else is going to slide into the DMs and that's going to get screenshotted. Like, it's, it's, that is what's going to happen. And there'll be some people just like, oh, wow, we did not see that coming. Yeah. Some good early takes. Yeah. Like, that's my hot tip. I mean, to be fair, Australia and China, we've kind of already gone down that path. Like, we're having our public falling out post-breakup. Yeah, this is pretty big. Like, we made the mistake of being like saying out loud what everyone was thinking. So again, we use the family analogy where that cousin that had a few beers and was like, uncle Dave, I think you're just being a dick, <laughs> you know? So like everyone else was all thinking it. Everyone else is going like uncle Dave is shady and wrecking it for us, but no one had the plums to say it. And then like cousin Antoine was Antoine just said, You've been a dick, Uncle Dave. And then Uncle Dave has just, like, unleashed. Yep. Full toys out of the cot. (laughs) Full toys out of the cot. Which I'm sure our podcast is being tapped. (laughs) And, yeah, we said it. Toys out of the cot. Very Well, to add on to that, let's be fair. The the whole origins of the COVID uh, thing is probably going to get some back-end airways. Yeah, how how do you explain? Go further on this. Uh, the whole, like, uh, the origins of it are still shrouded in aggressive mystery. Um, <laughs> yeah, disinformation mystery. Yeah, so I feel like that's going to play a really big part in the year. Because now, yes. cause at some point, for the most part, we'll say the dust will settle on how things are going and things will... There'll be a new normal. We're fully aware of that, which oh, I hate the sentence. I hate, oh, the new normal. 
It's going to be a new kind of way how things float around and then people will focus on it and go on, so what happened? This is happening. We're finding out. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be, again, that's going to be a, to your, to liken to your point, that's going to be an interesting bout across some social media platforms. Yeah, I'm waiting for like some, I feel like for all the carnage, misery and pain that this shit has caused, at the very least we are owed an elite Hollywood disease movie plot style how it happened. Do you want me to write another Mark Wahlberg movie? Is that what you want? I do, I do. Like so We just done two callbacks in two episodes. This is impressive. Yeah, we're on fire. <laughs> we are back. People thought we'd be out of form. Uh-uh. Back. Like, we're back. We're MJ coming back post first retirement. Like we just took a little while to shake off the dust, but we're the same problem that we always were. Um, yeah, we're owed like that great scene in a movie where it's like, "Oh, what are you doing with that? No, don't take that one out of the canister. No!" And then the alarms go off, and you know, like the scientists rush out of the room. And then the second last scientist slams the door shut and there's that last one that's banging on the glass going, ah, let me out, let me out. And then they start to like fade away. Yep. We're owed that. That's coming. Yeah. The other one I actually do think, which even though that is quite a, let's just call it a mess of uh, information and combativeness. <laughs> I actually think the whole political landscape is probably going to take a bit of a backseat in what I would call the post-Trump era. It's going to be yeah. less, just, and rightfully so, less interesting on a da- daily or hourly basis. Yeah, which we need. We need. We're exhausted. Yeah, it was pretty taxing. I mean, you can't go on with that kind of, you know, on and off, just on kind of whole thing again. So, yeah. look, I think that's... Rightfully so. It's going to go back to what it should be where people just talk about things in a normalish manner in the political sphere. Yeah, no more like, again, we talk about like breakups and family stuff. Like, again, it was like that couple fighting over who broke up with who and taking every step humanly possible to convince everyone that they were the one that broke up with the other. It was like Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard uh, divorce case thing. Yeah, like, oh, he's violent. Oh, she's violent. He's a drug addict. Oh, she's a drug addict. No, I bought the drugs out, off her. Yeah, yeah. No, it turns out you're both pieces of human garbage, but thank you. <laughs> uh, my other one, actually, so we're going to move away from, that's probably our most uh, hot topical ones. Um, so now we're going to the more fun aspects of 2021. Yeah. I actually think the uh, the whole the whole movement which is currently existing of everybody's going, you know what, this whole work from home thing, sign me up, sign me up. I'm moving out of the big smoke. I'm going to two hours away because I could just dial in. It's great. Get around <laughs> it. That's going to change real swift. I mean, real swiftly, uh, the organizations that the majority of the people work for are going to go, look, I love it that you've just, you've got a great backyard now in like three pools and you know, you're a short walk to a great beach. But uh, the first meeting of the day is at eight o'clock, and I know that drives two and a half hours without traffic. So that's kind of how this relationship works, <laughs> and that whole thing's gonna, you know, there's gonna be some people who get lucky, but I think for the most part, the uh, the dials are getting turned back. Interesting, interesting. Do you think it's that, or do you think companies are gonna? And I'll look, I'm just playing devil's avocado here for you. Do you think it's that or do you think it will come down to personalities and company culture? 
So what I'm getting at is like, you know, little old AP there that needs the structure of the office and the commute and all those things because it helps like click him into work mode. Will the company then go, okay, we've got like 20 APs and then we've got 10 uh, like uni version of Cordo, which is I'm not going to that university. You will never see or hear from me, but I expect my degree at the end of it. <laughs> well, you never know. They could all... Like there's maybe some bit of both, but then I guess in the the being that is the corporate life struggle, uh, which you and I are both in, yes, uh, you know how are they ever going to make the case for two two similarly placed people, but one of them comes into the office and one of them dials into meetings. Who's who's more likely to get the tap on the shoulder to go up? You know what? It depends on how this is going to again. Well, we said this last week. I don't want to get too TED talk, but I'm going to go a little too deep. I feel like it is going to come down to the capacity for humans to break out of our behavioral traits. Like whoever decided that everyone had to come in at nine to five, like where'd that come from? Dolly Parton. (laughs) Well, maybe. (laughs) I mean, look, if that's what really happened, if that's what, that's a great take. If if that's what really happened, A, I'm not sorry. B, that might be the single greatest cultural thing in the history of the planet. Like, uh, but look, <laughs> I, like where'd it come from? Dolly. All Dolly. Yeah, all Dolly Parton. Like, she could have said 10 till 2. Oh, like, it just, it must be, yeah, I bet knowing society, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a logical thing. My tinfoil hat weird mind goes to it was probably some random thing like some industry that was one of the first to take off you could only operate the machinery in like full sunlight so therefore by nine o'clock the sun's up but by five o'clock you gotta shut it down because that's when it's getting dark again (laughs) it'd be something as stupid as that yeah i'm with you um look not to be too teddy but there's i mean i just like just throwing darts out there and see what happens as is the way um, another couple of big ones, yeah. specifically around the sidelines. Oh, yes. Uh, turns out our tinfoil hat theories blow up. As in, in our face or like in an excited blow up? Uh, that's line two. First line one is in a good way. Okay. Like blow we up. get big. Yep. Then we get swept under the rug. So that's the face thing. Ah, as in like, so people hear our tinfoil hats, but then the powers that be get scared and then we become like underground. Yep. So we're like QAnon. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but then the the people, we get a Netflix show. Yeah. But it tanks. Yeah, okay. Uh, because we wrote it? Yeah. because because after bitching about how shows don't know how to cater to our demographic and audience anymore we did it but then realized no one wants to watch what we like yeah it turns out that we can't even cater to the own demographic that we think we can yeah like yeah you and i both of us don't even like our own show like we don't want to watch it it's literally the take is when homer simpson designs the car the the man everyone wants and everyone goes what the hell is this piece of shit that's that's our netflix show (laughs) yeah while mr netflix is his brother going i'm ruined i'm ruined (laughs) but i would like to say maybe we tank it by design but i don't think it is but then somehow we become the oracles of truth 
Well, I'd like to think that we are. Like, yes, there is zero integrity. There is minimal research. We don't fact check. And we have, I don't think, ever once taken feedback from listeners and then apologized or acknowledged mistakes that's what in a all, subsequent episode. That's what all great tinfoil hat wearers do. Like, we're basically the online version of, remember Adam Sandler's character in The Wedding Singer when he's drunk and he's got the microphone, he just starts going on a rant and the people are, like, howling abuse at him and he's got the microphone and does that while I have the microphone. So you will listen to what I have to say. Like... We're that. Um, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to be accountable, but I can stand by the fact that we bring hot takes, original takes, and we somehow justify our maniacal, odd, quite critical theories. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we're Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we are. We we are Netflix, like the trending in Australia list, the top shows in Australia list. Bullshit. <laughs> it's Mark Wahlberg's Shooter, The Last Dance, Cobra Kai, probably Friends. <laughs> and some Simpsons reruns. And some Simpsons reruns. Chuck in the British office and that's your top 10. That's what's actually being watched the most. Oh, and not to mention whatever Matt McConaughey, Sam Jackson, Sandra Bullock, or Ashley Judd 90s thriller you've just put back in circulation. That's also top 10. That is, yeah, that's a fair take. Like Double Jeopardy or The Pelican Brief. Take your pick. I won't fight you on either one. Double Jeopardy is a great movie. Yeah. The whole framed don't, don't for you, Don't you know you can't get charged the same crime twice? Brilliant! <laughs> Find me someone that hasn't Googled if that's a thing. Now, look, I know we're not accountable, but I'm going to make us accountable. We're going to talk about why movies like that don't get made anymore. Okay. Because society sucks. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can talk about it. I don't want to ruin it because AI just thought about it and haven't put too much thought into it, aside from what I think. But uh, that tier of movie doesn't get made anymore because it's not a ultimate tier blockbuster i will yes that's a fair point i think what's happened is do you want me to go deep or simplistic no we want surface level stuff because we'll save this for another one because i know we've got a lot we could talk about yeah that's true okay we'll we'll commit to this we probably won't follow through but we'll commit to in a near future episode we'll actually research why we think pop culture movies specifically, and TV shows as a byproduct, have become so hit and miss, so scarily hit and miss, and why they all start to feel a bit the same and why, like, the rerun market became a thing, the reboot market became a thing. But what I think's happened is politics, social justice, culture, entertainment, laughing without repercussion it all just got lumped into one big pot and so nothing gets made anymore that can just be simply what it is so if we decide to make a movie to give a demographic a leg up we can't even just do it and appreciate it for the beautiful art it is we have to like overhype the art so then all the people that might not have wanted to watch it like genuinely go, no, nah, I don't want to watch it now. Do you know what I mean? It's not appealing to the people who you weren't appealing to anyway. Correct. 
So we've tried to do this one size fits all thing. And so then those kind of dumb, light, ridiculous thrillers from the 90s, even though everyone still watches them and loves them, they're not getting made because there's too many boxes that they don't tick. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about, but... Nah, this is what we're here for. Yeah, but that's just how I see it. I think that's how you see it. It's how a lot of people I know see it. That like, And then it's no surprise that every year Netflix, who don't report their data accurately, but they can't help but give you those clues. We touched on this before. Blah, 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 top shows. Yeah, but why'd you give Adam Sandler $200 million to make all his shitty movies that no one likes? Bum, bum, because his movies are the most streamed things on our platform by a landslide. Bingo. So the market talks. Supply and demand, baby. Turns out people want to see a movie with the same 10 actors that he puts in every movie. We want to see <laughs> Kevin James. We want to see Sam Hayek. Uh, we want to see David Spade for some reason. We want to see Rob Schneider for some reason. We want them to be dressed weird. And for some reason, every character, he's got like Sam Hayek and she is somehow a love interest. And that is legitimized. Yeah, and not, you know, to add on to that, we want to see Shaq next to Kevin Hart. He's big, he's small. It's funny. <laughs> Correct. We want to see Ice Cube as an angry law enforcement character. <laughs> so look, to go back to our normal ones, I have one final 2020 prediction. Okay. AP and Cordo can justify hot top basketball shoes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> he's nailed it. 2021. <laughs> Uh, unless we are going to like a 90s MC Hammer party, I don't know how we can. That's happening. I'll try my best, but I do not like our chances. <laughs> Maybe that's something else we can put in our 2021 uh, you know, year commitment. We will get a photo of us in high tops and it's got to be made to look cool. Oh, I'm annoyed you added that last bit. <laughs> the photo. We're starting from a low base of cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, my man. I think that's it. We're going to go on to the next final one. Yeah, which is important. So, for those of you who listened to the Christmas special, which got a lot of, actually got a lot of feedback, got a lot of comments on this one. It's not very, again, our new leaf of this year is going back and loosely answering some unanswered questions. Yeah. Got brought up in a conversation quarter of the top five movies of Christmas that I haven't seen Love Actually. <laughs> uh, a, there was a, big, there was a big statement made by Rest of World uh, that he was going to drink some eggnog because he hadn't had it. Yeah. Side note, he hasn't had it yet. So he's going to have to have some. Yep. Eggnog, eggnog is brilliant. Yep. B, I actually watched Love Actually over the Ooh. Christmas period. And I took some notes. <laughs> oh, no. So, firstly, there's a lot to unpack here. And I have some good takes and I have some bad takes. Okay. So, this is not going to completely... I'm not just coming... You know, I'm not doing a Stephen A. Smith where I just literally come with the harpoon and try to gash the side out of the, out of the movie because there's some de- genuinely enjoyable bits in it. I will give it that. Okay. I, just, for, just quickly to interrupt... 
I am then going to make you earn your opinions because there's a lot of people that love this movie. So for their own sake, I will try and defend what they love. Yeah, it's shaky ground, Ron. And pull apart some of these hot takes. Okay, do you want me to... I'll start with the pros. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Okay, I've got some notes. (laughs) I will give credit where credit due. At the time when this came out, I don't know when it was. Let's just call it early 2000s. The whole, let's just call it 12 love story things. Pretty cool idea. Yeah. Like very different to anything that uh, was out at the time. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Like it was interesting seeing all these different things and loose entwining of, of characters and other scenes and that guy's that guy's sister and brother and oh, they're yep. all at the same school. I actually really enjoyed that bit. Um, yep. Some of it was a bit forced, but that's okay. I'll wear that on the chin because it was the whole thing of it was as enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so I quite enjoyed that. Uh, Liam is a boss. He completely carries the film. That's my that's my pro take. So it's not Liam a negative Neeson. take. Yes. Okay. Uh, him and the son story starts off very sad with the uh, the whole mum. The mum. Yeah. But it was it was actually a very good story about him talking to his son and um you know she likes a girl and you know he's learned to play drums and all this sort of stuff that that was actually like cl- the complete driver of the story. I would have watched a movie with just those two in it, which I'm pretty confident from memory could almost be that other Hugh Grant movie where the kid plays guitar or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, that movie I would have watched itself. The other character I really liked um, was the rocker. Bill Nye's character, yeah. Brilliant. That whole story was awesome um, because he's just a funny dude. He could yeah. do anything and he makes me laugh. Yeah, um, that's an he's elite got, character. He's just got this cool swagger. Like Again, he, he I would have watched a whole movie on him, but he definitely would have been able to car- carry it because it's just not how the character is written. Yeah. But again, really, really, really funny. Um, got to give those two credit. But they were the main ones. It's probably it for the pros because there's not too much to say. It was, it was enjoyable, um, and it definitely shook up the rom-com landscape. So yep. massive kudos. Now we go to the cons because I got more of those. <laughs> a lot of pros. <laughs> um, the one thing that becomes apparent is that when you do twelve stories, maybe you didn't have twelve stories because a lot of them are pretty poor. <laughs> so there's not a lot of meat on any of those bones towards the back end of the stories <laughs> so let's for example there's two particular stories that i would say are included purely as uh lpms which is laugh per minute gags when you need <laughs> the lpms up you got to insert these guys in there yeah. one of them's uh frodo the guy who plays frodo uh, he's the porn star who ends up dating the other porn star. No, he's not Mr. Frodo. He's uh, oh no, he is. No, he's Bilbo. Oh, he's Bilbo. Sorry. My, yeah, my yeah. Boy. Well, uh, Martin Freeman. He was in the office. Yeah, yeah. The sto- the story is contextually not relevant to anything at all. Yeah, but it's funny, and it's only it's but it makes no sense. So you could have taken that out, and the whole movie doesn't change objectively, except for your LPM rate. <laughs> Other one that's equally weird, the the British dude who maintains he's just in the wrong country. Colin. 
and go, and moves to America to Michigan, Michigan or Wisconsin, yeah, some random like yeah, and suddenly he's making out with all these supermodels. <laughs> Ridiculous side story again, only in a for LPMs. I found yeah. those two things to be weak, and it kind of I think it kind of cheapened the product. Well, what if I told you? that it could be genius writing to put a little bit of something in for everybody's comedic tastes. That's not. Because I feel like that might have been put in there to get, you know, Dazza the Builder laughing because Dazza the Builder loves those, like, cheesy 80s movies where the dudes are always just trying to hook up with sweet, sweet babes. Ah, it's flimsy at best. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really enjoy those two. Just because I felt like it took away from probably the strength of all the other ones, it sort of started to dilute dilute the mix, having okay. those two in there. Okay. Um, the other one, which I didn't really like too much, was that they some of the stories just needed a bit more TLC. You want a bit more backstory. There's some characters which you, did, you wanted to like, but you didn't have the time to actually find out a little bit more about them. There's some yeah. characters which you were kind of designed to hate, but you were sort of like, oh, okay, but... The information I have in front of me, I'm going to hate them. Yeah. So, uh, my two big examples of this. Uh, Alan Rickman. Uh, the whole point of his slide pot side story, I should say, is that he's the boss of uh, all these people. He ends up being sort of like this pseudo matchmaker between a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, he ends up buying his wife. Uh, sorry, I'll backtrack. His wife thinks she's buying him a necklace or a ring. Um, yeah. Ends up it's being for his new side girlfriend. Oh, not even of, his girlfriend. It's uh, like his EA, his secretary yeah. at work. So it's never really it's never really explained if they hooked up or just gave her the necklace or whatever it is. Anyway, clearly bad news bears. That's the summary of it. She's a bad news bears. He's, yep. She's probably taken advantage of a guy who's going through a few things. But instantly the reaction from the viewer is that Alan Rickman's a bad dude. And that's, I'm not arguing that point. It's, mm-hmm. you know, from the information in front of me, he's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the other main side plot, which from what I can take from every girl I've heard talk about this movie is the most romantic scene of all time where the dude has the cardboard cutouts uh, uh, yeah. at the door. I didn't realize because I haven't watched the movie that he's her husband's best friend. Hmm. So, objectively, he rocks up to the place and basically professes his love for his best mate's wife. Yep. And everyone's like, that's just so romantic. And you're like, back up. That's like loosely romantic, but maybe if you want to have some sympathy for the guy, give me some backstory. The other dude's, maybe the other dude's a dick. Maybe he knows that he's cheating on her. Like something like, <laughs> just anything. Just any any loose thread of that dude shouldn't be with Kira Knightley. Yeah, but you're reaching. You're no, I'm not. That's <laughs> fact. It's you like know Rickman. <laughs> I'm just saying, in a, in a story where there's some more more room to breathe. But again, you you acknowledge. I know you're just going to go against me because that is the uh, the line in the sand that you drew. But you have to admit because it's in the WhatsApp chat. I'll pull it up. Yeah, you I'll, agreed with me. No, because okay, okay. Let me let me step in for my girl gang because the girl gang's listening and they they want your blood, AP. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm stepping in for the girl gang. What about this? What if what he was actually doing was coming over 
to get it all out of his system and be like, okay, I'm done with this now. So he was actually trying to go, oh, this weird crush, infatuation, it's not going to get me anywhere. I love my best mate so much. But, you know, in the interest of this is how I feel, it's cathartic for me to just get it off my chest. And I'm just going to show her, you know what? I rate you. You're amazing. But it is what it is. Peace out. I will counter that point. That's a great point. Why not have him have a beer with Bilbo at the pub and he says, I've got to get it off my chest to relieve myself of this pure ridiculous crush That's an awkward pun with the porn guy next to him. I don't know. Some, again, if you get given that information as a viewer, you might go, okay, I can see he's a loose plan. Not a great plan, yeah. but I can see where he's coming from. Uh, yeah, I, so I, you I get where you're coming point. from. Uh, yeah, and look, I don't really like Kira Knightley, so I'm blinded anyway. Yeah, I know you do. So I got uh, you on I that one. I don't like it. Like if there, one of my Irish mates, Kev, he'll be listening. He had some very harsh hot takes on her in Adelaide Airport one <laughs> afternoon, and we were politely asked to keep it down. Um, I'm not a fan. That is the one character storyline in the movie that has always bugged me. Yeah. The more I watch it, the more it bugs me, because. The fact that he was like filming his best mate's misses in like a real creepy stalker way during the wedding. Like, and they try to make that like this, oh no, he's in love with her. I'm like, oh, what a fucking dog. Like doing yeah. that, you're your mate's best man at the wedding. But see, chuck, chuck in an early scene where he talked to her first at the bar and then the best mate came in and cut his grass. At, le- at least you want to give like, again, I'm trying to make the case for the weird dude. I don't know why. But yeah. at least if there's a shred of, like, line, you know, you could go either way on it. Yeah. Something. It calls into question so much. Like, okay, you had the hidden band at the service. Were you doing that because you're a dog? Like, yeah. Was that I didn't even think of that motivated. one. You're back yeah. on. <laughs> oh, no, I've fallen into the trap. I'm joining in with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is that guilt driving that? Or were you just being a dope best man going, look at me elevating your wedding? I think if you're asking the question, you already know the answer. Oh, yeah, because also traditionally, you know, uh, traditionally the girl controls, like, well, not controls, but it's rare for a best man to be the wedding planner. Very rare. That would not have made any type of uh, critical checklist points. Yeah, and this movie was made, like, what, 10, 15 years ago, so even more rare. Society was not as evolved in that space as it is today. So there's, oh, yeah, there's all kinds of questions to be raised on that one. Got him. (laughs) I'll give you that one. But I'm going to go back to Rickman because I think what that was is just a classic old cruisy couple and a younger person comes along, says some things, does some things, shows a bit of extra skin and just gets the old Rickman dickman (laughs) up and about. And it's like the thrill of that, that little bit of like excitement is what I think they're trying to allude to. But I will say this. If you took that scene and that character and that plot line out of the movie, you'd lose the single most vicious punch, stab, bullet wound, dog act, like just soul destroying thing that's ever been done to a girl in a movie and yet not a single act of violence. 
oh, the dialogue was given. Her opening the CD case, the CD, it's, it was, br- was brutal. Oh, it's brutal on so many levels. Like It's brutal because she thinks she's getting a gold necklace. It's brutal because she doesn't. It's even more brutal because it's a shitty fucking CD box. Like, it's yeah. not even a good gift. You give that to your, like, you give that to your sister's husband. <laughs> yeah, You look, know what that, I mean? That that was like, and again, to your, I will come back a little bit saying, you know, no back, if you have any backstory on Rickman on that, on what's going on, it lessens the brutal hurt comet that that asteroid is bringing through the surface of every viewer. Yeah, because it gets to the point where I reckon Emma Thompson's character would almost turn around and go, I would have rathered you'd done the dodgy on me one night. That will be far easier to overcome than this. Yeah. Sitting in front of our children under our Christmas tree and actually being teary with excitement only for it to be replaced with acid tears of pain. Ooh, that, that was brutal. And also, I'm the sister of the Prime Minister. So you're yeah, gonna was... dog you're gonna dog me? Like think about what kind of power I have. Like ooh. Yeah, that bit was also weird. Again, I didn't hate that kind of stuff. Um But look, I will give I'll give you a bit of an air on that because that was big for that. Yeah. But um but going on to to another couple of little these are small critiques, but this is just I'll be honest, I'm getting nitpicky. Yeah. Uh Hugh Grant's character. This comes back to my Pretty much my plot for the twelve story things. Yeah. There's no backstory on Hugh Grant. The only backstory of Hugh Grant is that it's Hugh Grant in Hugh Grant being Hugh Grant. <laughs> and they are literally just relying on the viewer to have watched every other Hugh Grant movie and they take on board that he's that bumblingly awkward guy who is seemingly killing it in life but yeah. you know, can't talk to a female in any capacity other than to try order a coffee or a cup of tea and still fuck that up. Yeah. Oh, I never wanted to be the Prime Minister, but here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's a stitch up because you're just like, again, there's no backstory on him, like what his, what his whole deal is. He's just Hugh Grant in Hugh Grant. And the same, yeah. the exact same move goes for the writer. Um, ah, Colin Firth's character. Colin Firth is Colin Firth and Colin Firth. It's yeah. the exact same move. Ah, oh, but I love Colin Firth. I'm giving him a pass. Again, you, he's enjoyable to watch, but he, again, he's, he does that. Hugh Grant does the awkward thing, and I can't do Colin Firth's impression very well, but he does that. Oh, I'll go over here now. Oh, that, oh fuck it. Yeah, that. That. They just, and again, no time for backstory. The backstory is you've seen him in other movies doing the same character, so you're going to bring that all along with you. Yes. Uh, but I kind of love that plot line of the the writer. It was, a, it was the, actually it was, again it was one of the more game. enjoyable ones. It was at least at least wasn't um, rubbish. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it was bold cliche. Like we've both gone away and learnt your language. Yeah, that was pretty cliche. <laughs> um, but equally, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look. I will, I will premise that I can understand completely why this movie was successful. Uh, a lot of enjoyable bits about it. Um, my overly uh, negative lens on life in general can get the best of me. Mm. Um, but maybe it's more to do with the state of rom-coms in general. Uh, maybe they're just so subpar that, you know, this really is, this is really so unique that it just stands out amongst the crowd. 
Yeah, and look, the fact is, if there's bits you don't like about it, it's got so much. There is a lot of meat because look how much we're unpacking it. If it was a flippant throwaway Netflix one, we wouldn't even waste our breath on it. Oh, I'm only doing this because everyone had a crack at me. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I reckon there was a moment there before in the episode where the audience's ears would have blown out as I joined in with you bashing <laughs> the, the placard Get guy. Get the front! Yeah! That's probably the loudest and most fired up we've been ever in an episode. Um, but yeah, that's fair. I'll allow it. For my girl gang out there, slash a lot of my alpha males who I know who you all are, you love rom-coms. You all have Notting Hill saved to your My List on your Netflix account. You know who you are. Yeah, look, this side of the fence is nice. Yeah, I'm backing, I'm backing people up. I like the movie. I think it's great. It's in. I still hold it in that little holy squadron of Christmas movies that have deep, deep flaws yet evoke a deep, deep love, affection, and I don't know. Look, I can see why it's a great. I can see why it's a great Christmas movie. Like I can hundred percent see that. Um, but again, every movie's got flaws in it. But do you want me? Do you want me to finish and some summarize it with the ultimate wanky line? I think you already answered your own question. You're going to. Yeah. <laughs> its beauty, AP, is in its imperfections. <sighs> that was worse than uh, I thought you were going to do. <laughs> uh, you should fire me. I should be suspended for an episode next week for that. Love it. I've got right, nothing mate. more to add on to that. Got nothing more to add, yeah. There's, we, we put a lot of time and energy into unpacking that, and you know what? I'm not sorry about it. Look, I had 12, 12 lines of notes. I've gone through them all, as, as I was uh, instructed to do. Yeah, well, let's just look forward to the inevitable remake in 10 years' time that will be crap. Then we can really pile onto that. Yeah, it's coming. Where, where it has like 49,000 YouTube dislikes for just a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you know those ones where yeah. the cultural hatred is so strong? It's not even given a chance. <laughs> but that's because they'll replace Hugh Grant with like Mariah Carey. Yeah, I could see that happening. You know, like something weird like that. Or J-Lo, who the other day said, like, men beneath the age of 30 are useless. Yeah. That was... They'll put someone like that in, and then the hatred will just go off the charts. <laughs> Even though she was good in Made in Manhattan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Cordo's, uh, Cordo's first music movie review for the year is Made in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing myself <laughs> under the bus for eternity. Um, all right, my man. It's been fun. As always, Cordo. I appreciate your hot takes, your COVID theories. It's been very conspiracy theory this episode, but I love it. Yeah, I'm going to wear out that tin hat. I'm going to have to buy some more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, my man. Thank you. All right, mate. Thanks again. Folks, at the Sidelines Media on social media, you can find us on Spotify, Apple. It's free. It's good value. Go back and listen to some of the old episodes. Come back, throw feedback into our DMs. Be aggressive because other people are. They don't like a lot of the stuff that we say, but that's our own standby. They don't know the location of the studio. Mate, until next time. As always, mate. Take care, buddy.